In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. I, it's a little new arrangement up here. I've really actually been wanting a pulpit for a while. Um, and that one is oddly placed way too far away from you. Um, but I needed to stop carrying my floppy Bible around because I felt kind of constrained because have you noticed I like to move when I preach and use my hands. And so I think this is a good compromise. It's halfway. It's in a place that a normal pulpit would be. And um, I have a, a, a platform here that I can set my things on. So I, I hope you can get used to this new arrangement. We're going to try it out for a while. Uh, it's good to be back with you. We were on vacation for a couple of weeks a few weeks ago, and about a month before that vacation, I was talking to uh, another priest in the diocese and saying, oh, yeah, I'm going on vacation soon. And he said, oh, are you going to take the little ones to Disney? And I said, well, no, for because I don't want to go uh, deep into debt. I'm probably not going to this time. And he said, oh, have no fear. My wife works there and she can get you in. And so I said, well, score. And so we set up a date to go. And then we all got really sick that week. And we had to reschedule. And then we decided it was going to be best for me just to take the two-year-old alone because the six-month-old in a stroller all day was going to get cranky. And so I took Lydia and we met up uh, with his his wife. And she got us in for free. And so she saved me a hundred and something dollars. And so we got in the park. And instead, I spent that hundred and something dollars on a bottle of water and two chocolate-covered bananas. Um <laughs> But that story is somewhat gratuitous, um, but we are in stewardship season in church language, and so that means we get to talk about everybody's favorite topic in church, money, hooray! Um, so there's, there's, no, there's no direct connection between that story and stewardship, but otherwise then going to Disney too often is probably not good stewardship. Um, it's I kid, but we sometimes think of money in, in church as a dirty, rotten topic, right? Don't talk to me about my spending and saving, Mr. Preacher. That is my business. Um, and that's probably because all of us have had some kind of an awkward experience in a church with a minister uh, who made it uncomfortable. Somebody told me a story, true story. They were at a church, and the, the preacher told everybody that he had the ushers lock the back doors and that he wasn't going to let them unlock them until everybody had made their pledge for the next year. I, true story. This stuff, kind of stuff happens. Um, I was at a church uh, last year uh, visiting another church, and uh, it just so happened to be a stewardship Sunday, and the preacher was uh, telling his congregation that they needed to, to give. It was, it was awkward. He was kind of bumbling around. His body language said, I don't really want to be talking about this, but you guys are kind of lousy with your tithe right now, and I need to get that point across to you. Um, it's, it can be very, very awkward, right? But I want to say to you that I don't think that Christians should be afraid of talking about money. Uh, because it's actually a part of discipleship. It's actually a part of what it means to follow Jesus. And we can't separate um, our world of money from the world of prayer and, and works of charity and the forgiveness of sins and mercy and all of that stuff. It's all a part of life with Jesus. Jesus himself talks about money a lot. Mostly the dangers of it, right? Uh, Paul talks about money in his letters. Peter talks about money in his letters. James talks about money in his letter in the New Testament. I think that's evidence that God actually wants us to be thinking about money and he cares about what we do with it. Now, this sermon is not going to be me standing up here and trying to convince you to give all your money to good shepherd. You already know I want you to do that and I'm not a good salesperson anyway. But... 
in all seriousness, what I want to do today is actually just talk to you for a little while about the vision that seems to be unfolding at this church naturally so that you can decide if you want to have skin in the game for next year and how much skin in the game you think you want to have. And then after that, I'm just going to give a brief reflection on the gospel passage because I think it gives us a framework, a bigger framework for thinking about what it means to give to the local church as a Christian. The first thing that is uh, happening at Good Shepherd right now, it just kind of seems to be happening organically, is a vision for biblical education. Part of this comes from my own personal passion for studying and learning the scriptures. Um, I am a Bible nerd, if you haven't noticed yet. I love getting down to the details of the original language and all of that super nerdy, boring stuff, because I think the Bible is a rich treasure trove, and I believe that it is how God reveals himself to us and how he reveals Jesus to us. Um, it also comes out of my personal experience of, of transformation that has come from learning to navigate and understand and to live the Bible in my own life. You see, the scriptures, Old and New Testaments, are the domain in which Jesus Christ is made known to us. He saves us, he instructs us, and he empowers us to share him and his good news with other people. Um, there's a story in Luke's gospel towards the end of it. It's the risen Jesus and some of his disciples don't recognize him and his risen glorified body. And he's walking along the road with him. And they're very sad that, that who they thought was the Messiah has died and been wiped out by the Roman government. And he's walking with them and he begins to point out to them that they're missing something that the scriptures they seem to know so well point to him. And Luke tells us this. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, right? That's our Old Testament. Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. See, the scriptures point us to Jesus and make it possible for us to grow in our relationship with him. See, the more we study the scriptures, the more we learn about Jesus. And the more we learn about Jesus, the more we can love him and obey him. See, the deeper you dive into scripture, there's no like ending place where it's like, yeah, I've read the Bible once or twice. I'm good. I don't really need to do much more. The deeper you dive in and study more and more, the more you find that there is richness and the more you find about God and his faithfulness to us. Now, if you've ever been on um, It's a Small World, the ride at Disney at Magic Kingdom, you, who's been on It's a Small World, your kids wanted to go on it 17 times in the same day and you were about ready to have to put a straight jacket on and go into a facility. Um, but you, you remember when you get on that ride and you think, oh, this is really cool. It's this little room with all these things. And then you turn the corner and there's like another whole room. And then you're like, wow, two rooms. And then you turn the corner and there's another whole room and the song's going, eh, it's a small world. And you're losing your mind. But it's really cool, right? Because you keep going. There's all these amazing, beautiful rooms. And there just seems like there's an endless amount of rooms. That's kind of like what studying the Bible is like, right? Without the insane music. There's just more and more as you deep, dive deeper and deeper in. There's more to learn about God and his, his message to us and his will for us. I'm going to read you a really nerdy a quote from a theologian. This is how he talks about the Bible. This is this is total nerdiness here, so be warned. He says this. He says, "In the domain of Christ's rule and revelation, holy scripture is the embassy of the apostles and prophets." Oh, I love that. He says, "Through their service and quickened to intelligent and obedient learning by the Holy Spirit, the communion of saints, that's us, is instructed by the living Christ." See, Jesus instructs us through his written word. Last week, we heard those words um, from Hebrews that said, the word of God is living and active, 
right? It's active. It does things when you engage with it. It does things in the depths of who you are. And I believe that the more you drink from the scriptures, meditate on them, memorize them, fill your mind with them, you will experience the living God speaking through them to you. And you will experience transformation. St. Paul wrote this, all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the people of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. See, as I continue to go deeper and learn more and more about Scripture myself, I am committed to doing the best I can to help you learn more and more about Scripture, to experience personal transformation in your own life. Um, That is what our retreat was about last month. And I have to tell you about that. And this isn't me tooting my own horn or talking about what a great Bible teacher I am or what a great Bible teacher Father Tom was. But let me tell you that at the end of that retreat, people were beaming with joy. They were excited because they were immersed in the story of Scripture and began to see their own place in it. And people came up to me and said, you know, for the first time in a long time, I want to go home and read and study my Bible and learn more. That's the work of God in our midst. That's the work of God in our midst. The next day, uh, someone told me that they had been praying for renewal and revitalization at Good Shepherd, and they they thought that it was going to look a particular way like it did in the past. And they said, after the retreat, you know what I realized? I think God is going to renew us through teaching us more about himself through his word. And I gave her a high five for saying that because I believe that that is true. Um, This is a foundational step that we have to build on as we move forward. It's a necessary step to be drawn deeper into the heart of God. And it will prepare us to do the things that God calls us to do and to be the church that God calls us to be here in Maitland, Florida. The early church, uh, Luke tells us in the book of Acts, devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. We have those teachings in written form. What a treasure. And may we too be devoted to them. This is going to happen in Christian formation classes on Sunday mornings, in church retreats, here from the pulpit on Sundays, and especially in small group Bible studies, studying in community with other people who want to meet Jesus in his word. Now, the second thing is that, and this is, this is just a, this is just a hill I'm ready to die on, and that is discipleship for all ages. We need to be a place that has discipleship for all ages. Well, first of all, what's discipleship, right? Is this just some abstract term? Let me give you kind of a working definition that I have here. It's not perfect. I want to say that discipleship is learning to love and obey the Lord Jesus in every area of life in the context of a loving Christian community. Learning to love and obey the Lord Jesus in every area of life in the context of a loving Christian community. Right? You can't love and obey Jesus all on your own apart from a community. There's, the Bible knows nothing of that, that form of Christianity. This is what the church exists to do, friends, to make disciples, right? To train and equip people to serve the world in Jesus' name. And this flows from the first one about biblical education because that's foundational for, for discipleship. To be disciples of Jesus, we have to learn about Jesus. And where do we learn about Jesus? But in his word. Now, We're doing a pretty good job of this. We have quite a bit of offerings for adults, for older adults. And we're now focusing on strengthening our children's ministry, which is very, very important. Um, But we don't have much for youth right now. 
for teenagers. And we need to find ways to offer young families more discipleship opportunities who have the struggle of having little kids climbing all over them every day. You see, these are projects that lie ahead of us in the next few years, and it's where we're going to be putting a lot of our energy. Discipleship for all ages and for all people. And we are not there yet, but with God's help, we will get there. Amen? Discipleship is about personal transformation. It's about God doing a work in our hearts. And if we want to be a church that is alive and healthy and flourishing, we need personal transformation happening in the hearts of individuals. That is what will revitalize us. If that sounds exciting to you, and it sounds exciting to me, seeing people grow in their faith in Christ and their lives being changed, then this is the place for you. Now, the final thing that I want to, uh, that I want to challenge us to think about in the next few years is to be a community and to continue to be a community that loves and serves its community, right? We're doing this in a lot of ways and we're going to continue to discern how God is calling us to do this. One of the reasons that uh, Christianity spread like wildfire in the early church is because Christians were serving the world in radical ways that no one else was. They were taking in the sick who didn't have money to go to a doctor. They were taking in the dying and caring for them until they took their last breaths. They were taking infants who were discarded onto garbage heaps because they were unwanted. That happened in the ancient world. And taking them in and adopting them and raising them. They were taking in the people who were on the lowest rungs of society and recognizing them as fellow gifted members of the community. One of the things that we are doing here to serve our community is we're serving our special needs community and discerning and asking God how he wants us to expand that ministry. First of all, by hosting, of course, Selendine School here for uh, students with autism and Down syndrome. We're making our parish hall a venue for the local Down syndrome associations to have their meetings uh, in forums. And we're asking God how else he might be calling us to discern how we can serve this wonderful community in our neighborhood. Another part of serving our community, and this is one we don't often think of, will be what I would call our cultural contribution. You see, the Christian church has a rich tradition of offering some of the best art and music and culture to the world. This is why we think that offering free film nights in our parish hall for families and classical music concerts is important because these are ways of offering the godly gift of culture to the people in our neighborhoods. Friends, see, any society that claims to follow Jesus must be actively pursuing justice and peace and human flourishing in the local community. So here's some questions to think about. How will Good Shepherd have a presence at the new Maitland City Center when it's all opened up? How will we bless the new tenants moving in everywhere around us? Don't know how we're going to fit many more apartment complexes around here. Right? Well, it starts with members of our community being present at local businesses and supporting them, participating in community events, getting involved in local politics. There are so many things that we can do as a community to bless our community and make the presence of our church known and a blessing to the world. Uh, part of what is important to do is taking stock of what we already do and what not just the ministries of the church, but the ministries of all of you sitting in the pews here today. And so here's what we're going to do. We're starting something new today. And at announcements, it's just going to be a little short thing during announcements. But I'm going to just do little two-minute interviews with different individuals every week to talk to you all and to get the whole congregation aware of how you're serving the world in your own life apart from an official ministry of the church. 
It's going to be called Who's Who and What Do You Do? Okay, you like that? It's very, I read a lot of Dr. Seuss books these days. Who's Who and What Do You Do? And it's also going to serve the purpose of getting us to know each other a little bit better. So I'm really excited about that today. We're going to hear from, from somebody in just a little bit here. Let's look at Mark chapter 10 just for a moment. The very end of the gospel reading. Jesus um, has some disciples who are very much um, interested in positions of authority at his side, right? Um, and so they, they make some requests. They want to be uh, they want to be number one and number two right at his side in his kingdom. And uh, Jesus shows them that that is not how it works in his kingdom. And he says this at the very end of the passage: Whoever wishes to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Now, think about this for a minute. We've heard these words a million times in church, but think about this. Jesus, the image of the invisible creator God, Yahweh visiting his people in the flesh, he could have just come and just wiped us out in his power because of our sin. Or he could have come and just, you know, he could have flexed his divine muscles a little bit, showed off a little bit, and had thousands of people waiting on him hand and foot, right? That's what the devil tempted him to do in the desert. But instead, what does he do? He shows up as one who washes feet and gives his own life as a ransom to ransom us from sin and death. See, that's the Jesus way. To, to give yourself away, your life, everything that you are, everything that you have, to hold on to nothing, to, be, to give it all away for others, to, to hold on to it. Um, Acts, the book of Acts tells us that in the early church, it doesn't say that they were communists and nobody owned anything. It says they did not consider their possessions their own, right? They were always willing to meet the needs of others. You see, this is our framework for giving. We don't put money in a plate or make a pledge or tithe 10% just because we're church people and that's what we do. No, we do it because we follow a crucified man who gave everything for us and calls us to lay down our lives and to give everything for his sake and for the sake of others. See, when you give to Good Shepherd, just think about this. There's just some practical things to think about. You contribute to the candles that burn to the glory of God on the altar on Sundays. You contribute to the food bank that serves the hungry people of Orange County four days a week, to the parish hall that we make available to local uh, Down syndrome associations for their events, to the coffee cups that we give to our, to, as gifts to our guests, to the beautifying of our landscape, to church retreats where people grow in their faith, to a school in South Sudan that is bringing food and water and literacy to young children, to the instruments and audio equipment that make our worship possible. So I want to invite you not to think about giving money because it's not helpful to think about it like that. I want to invite you to think about giving to the future of a church that is under the lordship of Jesus Christ and that is dedicated to making disciples, to training and equipping them and sending them into the world to serve in Jesus' name. See, when you give, you aren't cheerleading the rector, okay? You're not casting a vote for every little thing about the church. You know, nobody likes every little thing about the church. What you're doing is you're saying that you're invested in the kingdom of God and how it is advancing here in the community of Maitland, Florida and the surrounding communities. 
there's a really uh, sh- popular show called The Office. Anybody watch it? I won't. You can tell me if you watch it. I know it's not the, the most uh, wonderful show. But the, the boss on it, uh, Michael Scott, he's kind of a, a bumbling buffoon to say the least. But um, he's talking about giving birthday presents away. And he says, I just love giving people birthday presents. It's a tangible way to say, I love you this many dollars worth. <clears throat> that that um, that is not the mindset to have when you when you think about giving to the church and making a pledge, okay? Because even if you can't give a lot, it doesn't mean that you don't love the church, right? Some of us can give a few dollars, some of us can give a few thousand. But the question is for us as we think about the next giving season for 2019 is, am I doing this in the spirit of Jesus? Am I doing this because I follow a crucified Messiah who gave everything for me? whose attitude about everything was, how can I give? How can I serve? How can I offer him everything? How can I offer everything to God following the example of my humble Savior? Let's pray. Gracious God, uh, your, your word tells us uh, that you who gave did not even spare your own son, but gave him on our behalf, that you would give us everything that we need. You tell us not to be anxious about our lives, but to know that it's your good pleasure to give us what we need and to stay focused on seeking your kingdom first. We ask that as a church community, you would enable us to do this. And Lord, as all of us as individuals and families think about the next giving year, that you would just open hearts, that you would speak to each and every one of us, myself included, about what it looks like to be invested in the future of what you are doing here at Good Shepherd. And Lord, we pray that our efforts, that you would prosper the work of our hands and prosper the work of our giving that your kingdom would advance and that your name would be glorified through your son. It is in his name that we pray. Amen.